G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. It's great to be with you. We're a parish that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And you can learn more about us by visiting anglicandolby.org.au. This week's uh, sermon is entitled, Is He Worthy? And it's part of a series called Reliable Revelation in the Book of Revelation, focusing today on Revelation 5. We hope you enjoy the sermon. was going to overrule our rejection. 
only one person had authority to overturn our rejection and grant us a visa. Only one person was worthy. And um, that's a picture of her. Does anyone know who that is? And that's what she knows. <laughs> we'll see in the next service if they know who it is. Yeah, that's Amanda Vanstone. Um, she was the Minister for Immigration at the time. And uh, we, we did a lot of praying for her. We also um, said some nasty things under our breath when we got our rejection. Um, and eventually, she was worthy. And by some miracle, she did overturn our rejection. And that's why I can, I can be here today to speak to you. Today, we're going to see that our fate and future hangs in the balance. Only Jesus is worthy of giving us purpose and the future we're made for. In Revelation 5.12, we hear a heavenly host gathering around the throne room of God and saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Today we're going to be looking at that passage in Revelation 5 and we're going to see that Jesus is worthy to take the scroll Jesus is worthy to redeem, and only Jesus is worthy of our worship. So let's look at Jesus is worthy to take the scroll. Last week we looked at John 1 and John's vision of heaven, sorry, Revelation 1. (laughs) We looked at how Revelation is not just a book about end times, what is to come. It's about the past, the present, and the future. This week, we're skipping over Revelation 2, 3, and 4, and finding ourselves in Revelation 5, which is a little bit of a pity, because there's so much good stuff in Revelation 2, 3, and 4. And if you want to go home and read it uh, this afternoon, I really encourage you to do so. Revelation 2 and 3 are letters written to seven churches going through their own unique struggles. Their struggles are the same as struggles that churches go through today. Some of them have lost love for Jesus. Some are tolerating false teaching. Some have bad leadership. Some are looking great, but they're dead inside. And some just have a lukewarm, superficial spirituality. At the same time, God commends many of the churches. He says you're doing great in some areas. God commends them for the fact that they haven't denied Christ, even in the face of persecution. They're rich in good works, and they've resisted false teaching in some churches. And some churches are inwardly pure. They're holy, even if the world outside them is not. Friends, Revelation 2 and 3 are a reminder that Jesus is coming back for his church. Jesus is coming back for us. The church matters to God, and even though the church is just as messed up today as it was back then. God is using us for his glory. Then we go to Revelation 4, and Revelation 4 is this glorious vision of the throne room of heaven. There are rainbows and seas of glass and people singing and dancing, and it's just this incredible worship service. But then all of a sudden in Revelation 5, things come to a crashing halt. There's a problem. There's a problem in heaven. 
John sees a scroll coming out. An angel takes a scroll, and you can see that it is God's plan for the world. He wants to see inside it. But in Revelation 5.1, it says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sits on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. The one who sits on the throne, that's God. God the Father, creator of the world. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break open the seals and open the scroll? On the scroll, John sees God's plan for the world. And the problem is, there are seven seals. Wax ones, not, uh, not water ones like you see at SeaWorld, balancing a ball on their nose. <laughs> They're wax seals. He just goes, David, that was a that was a rubbish joke. <laughs> he just looked at me like, I'll try better next time. <laughs> so so this scroll, uh, back in the day, uh, scrolls were written on papyrus and um, they were they were rattled up. And on the outside of the scroll, uh, they would have had wax seals. And on the outside of the scroll, it would have been written who was qualified, who was worthy to break open the seals. And usually there was like a curse or a penalty if someone who was unworthy opened the seal. It was, it was like a password. And, and the, the angels are saying, no one is worthy of breaking the seals. And, and John is sitting in heaven and everything's going well and all of a sudden he realizes this is horrible. No one can open the scroll. And he starts crying his heart out. He's weeping his heart out. But suddenly, an elder, this is a human leader in the throne room, he says, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He was able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So John gets excited. Someone is coming who is able to open the seals. Now, as we spoke about, Revelation deals with imagery. It's heavy in imagery. Like Russia today has the symbol of the bear, and America has the bald eagle, and Australia has Skippy the bush kangaroo, and Judah had a lion. She's Judah, their natural symbol, was a lion. So, so here's John thinking, finally, here's something. There's a lion who's just going to tear into this scroll and reveal what's inside. But as he turns, there's another twist. In Revelation 5.4, and if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, I encourage you to open it up into Revelation 5 to, to see that what I'm, what I'm saying checks out. Revelation 5.4, it says this, then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures. Those are cherubim, they're, they're, those mighty angels, and the elders. These are, these are people who have died in Christ, church leaders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, as Zoe talked about in the kids' talk, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. The lion is 
a lamb. The lamb has seven horns, which are a sign of power. If you've got two horns, you're a bull, and you're, you've got power. If you've got seven horns, you're super powerful and perfectly powerful. The, the lamb also has seven eyes. Um, and we didn't want to draw a picture of it for you because it would have been freaky. But it's, it's got seven eyes, which stand for attention. It's an all-powerful, all-seeing lion lamb. And it has the authority to open the scroll. And all of a sudden, heaven cries out, you are worthy to take the scroll. Friends, here God's telling us that only he has the authority, only Jesus has the authority to show us who we truly are and unfold our future. We also see that before Jesus are barrels of prayers of God's people. Life is full of fear and uncertainty. But as we get this peek inside what's going on in heaven right now, we see Jesus, who is powerful like a lion and gentle as a lamb, has our prayers in bowls right before him. He has our hopes and our dreams and our lives in his hands. So often we're tempted to think our world is governed by unpredictable and evil forces. But here we see Jesus ruling and reigning in heaven, hearing our prayers, and holding our destiny in his hands. And that takes us to our next point. Jesus is worthy to redeem. In Revelation 5, 9 to 10, it says, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Now, some might assume that the lamb looking injured is a sign of weakness, but it's not. Jesus is worthy because he died. And with his blood, he brought back people from every tribe and language and nation. That's right, in heaven, you will meet people who speak in Russian, who speak in Ukrainian, who speak in Chinese, who speak in Sichuan, all languages, all people from all nations have been redeemed because God is redeeming a kingdom from all backgrounds by his blood. The sacrificial language of atonement here is thick. Atonement means at-one-ment, bringing one together. Revelation was written in about the year, year 90 AD, uh, 20 years after the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. But many of its readers would have grown up going to the temple at least once a year and offering a sacrifice of atonement for their sins. The idea was that a family would bring a lamb as an offering to the temple, and the offering would die the death their sins deserved and bring them back into right relationship with God. But the temple was de destroyed, so many people felt stuck, a little bit like John felt stuck in heaven. They felt stuck because there was no temple for them to go and offer sacrifices for atonement. There was no way for them to become one with God. And here God is saying, there is someone who has offered atonement. There is someone who wants to bring you back into God's presence. And that's the Lion, the Lamb of Jesus. He is the one perfect and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He has brought us back to God. 
The other day I was um, speaking with someone who felt totally unworthy. She spoke about her mistakes, her lack of faith, her sins, and her unworthiness before God. And we spoke about this exact thing. We shared communion together. And we talked about how Jesus thought she was worth dying for. Then that should be your measure of self-worth. You are worth dying for. Revelation is a reliable book because it's real about evil, but it's also real about redemption. We are not made worthy by our deeds, but by the precious blood of Jesus. No mistake is too great, no sin is too weighty, and no situation is too hopeless for Jesus. That's why it's so powerful that the lamb bears the marks of being slain. The only man-made things in heaven are the scars in Jesus' hands and feet and side. When Jesus died, these wounds looked like weaknesses and signs of defeat. But in heaven, they are marks of victory and triumph. God turns graves into gardens, scars into victory marks, and mourning into dancing. Friends, the scars you bear on your body and on your soul can be redeemed by Jesus and be made signs of his victory. The first Christians were made up of this ragtag group of all sorts of backgrounds. They were a mixed bag. And they were intimidated and worried. They were worried that they might be the last Christians on earth because they were, they were not growing. Other religions were growing at the time and, and they just felt terrible. Perhaps you look at the church today and you see smart academics claiming to disprove the Bible. Or you see advertisers talking about how great life is when you focus only on yourself and do what you feel is right. Perhaps it's your friends who rubbish your faith. Here is God saying, I am redeeming this world. I have made it new. And nothing will stop me. And this brings me to my final point. Jesus is worthy of our worship. Revelation ultimately leaves us with a question. Who is worthy of my, my worship? Who is worthy of my whole self? But Dylan said that you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Lots of people think, well, I don't worship anything. I'm not, I'm, I'm not religious. But we all worship something. The churches who received this book in, of Revelation, they weren't part of the biggest religion in the world. At the time, there weren't two billion Christians in the world. There weren't even a million. There were just a few house churches made up of this mixed bag of people who really only had one thing in common. They believed that a teacher from Galilee had died and come back to life again. And they were going to worship him no matter what. 
some of them, uh, like us today, might have been asking themselves, is it worth it? Is Jesus really worthy of my worship? Is it worth getting out of bed on a cold Sunday morning to sing hey prayers and listen to a long sermon that just goes on and on and on and on? <laughs> Is it worth gathering with people I probably wouldn't choose to otherwise? Is it worth reading my Bible or praying by myself? Is it worth going to Bible study? Lots of people don't bother with this. They don't have this in their life, and they're doing just fine. To this question, God gives us this vision of heaven and says, you decide. All of heaven right now is saying, worthy is the Lamb. In Revelation, we see these cherubim, and often when we think of cherubs, we think of this, these little winged babies hanging out on clouds. But in the Bible, um, that's a cherubim with wings and faces and fire and power. We see these cherubim, and they are these mighty beasts, bigger than human beings, more wonderful than human beings, and they are bowing down and worshipping the Lamb. And God the Father, who's seated on the throne, <laughs> They say in Revelation 5.13, to see him who sits on the throne into the land, <coughs> excuse me, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Revelation 5 is all about who is worthy of our worship, our everything. <coughs> all of heaven right now is worshiping God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't read Revelation and not believe in the Trinity. There's, there's so much stuff about God the Father, the Ancient of Days, the Almighty. There's so much about the Holy Spirit. And incidentally, in that reading, that Gospel reading that Cain just read, where um, there's a number of times it talks about the Lamb. And the, and the word that is used there for Lamb is used only one other time in the whole Bible. And that's in John uh, 21. Uh, the reading that Ken just read, when Jesus said, feed my lambs. So do you see how Jesus is the lamb, and he calls us to be as powerful as lions and as gentle as lambs. Revelation 5.10 says, you have made them, that's everyone, to be a kingdom and priests, to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. See, this vision of heaven in Revelation is not of some sort of spirit cloud land where our bodiless souls go to after we die. The vision of heaven <laughs> we're given in Revelation is that heaven is God's place. And one day, heaven will fill the earth and God's place and our place will become one. God has redeemed us all by his precious blood to be a kingdom and priests a nation of people, not limited to a spot on the map, but peoples whose hearts are on fire for God. Priests bring people to God. That's what priests do. And while you don't need a priest to mediate between you and God, you get to be a priest. I used to ask you before the beginning of this service, are you a priest? You probably, you probably say no, but you are. Because Revelation says so. He has made us a kingdom and priests to serve our God. You get to be a priest through Christ Jesus. And what you get to do is you get to bring people to God. Say, come and meet Jesus. 
come and know Jesus. Come and know this man who has transformed my life. Christians everywhere have a role in God's world representing Christ to a world that doesn't know him. And that is why we worship. And that's why everything you do can be worship. Gardening is worship. It's ordering creation so that it brings joy to God. Cooking is worship because it's taking the resources God has given it, given to you and nourishing others. Recycling is worship. It's caring for God's world, ready for the new creation. Evangelism is worship. It's sharing the good news of God with others. Going to Cameo on Wednesday is worship because it allows people to come and meet with each other and share in community with Christ. Work can be worship. It's doing the best job I can so that my employers and colleagues and customers can see that I'm living for a better world. Caring for others is worship. It's passing on love, the love God has shown us to others. When we see Jesus for who he truly is, the lion and the lamb, we recognize that he is worthy of our worship. When we put Jesus at the center of our lives, our whole lives become worship. So friends, today, let's see that our faith and our future rests in Jesus' reliable hands. Jesus alone is worthy to open the scroll and reveal God's rescue plan to us. Jesus alone is worthy to redeem all creation. And only Jesus is worthy of our worship, now and forever.